This is the Comedy Reject Podcast with your host, Sterling Scott. This is another episode of the Comedy Reject Podcast. You can find the Comedy Reject Podcast on TaylorMadeRadio.ca or whatever your major streaming platforms are produced by my boy Matt. If you guys love the sound of this podcast, please make sure you click the link and get your podcast created and produced by him. And with that being said, let's begin the show. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? How's it going? What's up? How are my 56 dedicated listeners? How you guys doing this week, man? Are you all right? Are you handling the slowly reopening of the world here in Canada? Sorry to my American uh, listeners who are in Los Angeles and New York. God damn, y'all on some next level lockdown but to my Canadians with uh, things opening back up, how are you feeling about it? Are you guys good? Are you guys worried? Did you guys never give a fuck? I find like there's three levels to the pandemic. There's the far extreme crazy like I was afraid of the pandemic. And then you have down the middle, you have I'm not sure, but I'm just, you know, doing my best when i don't know when not that i'm doing your best it's like when it's a stranger i act as if they have the disease and if i know the person then i uh don't give a fuck the rules are out the window and then there's the third level person who is just like i don't give a fuck i don't believe in this disease and they just doing whatever the hell they want to do like things is regular which one are you guys i gotta be honest i'm uh i'm in the middle I'm in the middle. When I know somebody, you know, I kind of give the benefit of the doubt that, hey, they're healthy. I'm healthy. I mean, look, people, I'm not perfect. OK, you know, I don't try to be out in a lot of social settings and stuff. But when I'm one on one with someone that I know and I talk to, I, I let it slide. I'm not going to lie. I let it slide. But um, things are in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, where I reside, are slowly opening back up. And uh, I did my first uh, show back at the Strip Club. That's right, people. The Strip Club in Edmonton is open. And uh, the thing about it is the uh, the Strip Club, uh, shout out to the Strip Club. I, I do a weekly game show. Uh <laughs> That's right. I do a weekly game show. If you're ever in Edmonton, it's on Tuesdays and sign up is at 1030. I do a game show called The Filthy Feud, which is pretty much the family feud just with dirty questions. And so anyways, uh, the strip clubs are back open. And uh, so I'm back in there doing my thing. And uh, Jesus, I got to say, the strip club is doing everything they can. They're doing everything they can to follow the rules and regulations it's pretty fucking awkward it's as awkward as you guys would think it would be uh but the people the people do not give a fuck okay <laughs> i mean realistically if you need to be on a strip club on a tuesday during a pandemic i don't really think that you ever really were worried <laughs> about the flu or covid 19 you know what I mean? You need to get your titty fix on. And that's what kills me with laughter is the the club had quite a few people in it. And, 
You know what I mean? Like people out there celebrating birthdays. I guess it's because not just the titties. I mean, let's be honest. There are some definitely some murderers um, in the strip club on a Tuesday during a pandemic. But most of the people I saw were people that were groups of friends celebrating birthday parties. I saw a lot of that. But uh, people in the strip club don't give a fuck. Like they, I'm hosting the show and I'm doing my job because uh, I am working with, uh, for the strip club. So I have to wear a mask and practice social distancing. So I stand six feet away when I talk to people in order to get them to sign up to play the game. And then when we're on stage, I make sure to stay six feet away when asking the questions, blah, blah, blah. But while I was doing all of this, I mean, people were doing everything to just touch you, like just put their hands on you. Like I'm talking full on. They wanted to put this one dude try to put his arm around me, around my neck and then talk in my face. And I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, hell fucking no. Like I hated that shit before COVID because alcohol and 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 people makes for spit in your face and i'm not gonna lie that i have had people spit in my face pre-covid and i just didn't have the social ability to tell them to get the fuck out of my face but now with covid i could just be like hey that's that that's illegal now i can't be touched like fortunately with the club i have the ability to be like nah you can't touch me but the amount of people who just i don't understand what it is that with most of these people that are out i think they just they just need to touch people for some reason i'm not that guy i don't touch people i don't like being touched i know it's weird for some people who are listening to this but for others you get me you do not want strangers fucking touching you and especially if you're somebody who's a server or works in entertainment who has to do or customer service, you know what I'm talking about when I say drunk people and trying to talk to you, the amount of times that you get people to spit in your face. So with COVID, I can finally tell people no. But at the strip club, it was, I got to say, it was to the point where it was getting uncomfortable. Like a lot of motherfuckers were, were nonstop in your face and i'm like hey we gotta be six feet and they say the same shit uh who gives a fuck i'm not sick and i'm like that's how you get sick but i mean it was still a good time um like i said once again thanks to the to the club for the club that i work at if you are in edmonton it's called shade uh right now we're doing the shows on thursday but um the filthy feud we're doing on thursdays but they're coming back on tuesdays uh late july so if you guys are in edmonton and you guys want to come down and win some cash come fucking visit me i mean things are starting to open back up and uh now my 56 dedicated listeners i know that about 49 of you live in edmonton so if you ever want to come and visit me come see me man i'd love to see you guys down uh at the um at the strip club playing the game and filthy feud is family feud basically uh and you win good money man like uh last week uh somebody won 275 dollars uh coming on stage and just answering questions so make sure you guys come check me out for that but like i had to ask the girls i was like what you know like i get the girls who are on stage dancing you know what i'm saying like 
because you get paid to be on stage. Um, so you do your stage performance. But I was like, what about the lap dance girls? Like, what what happens there? So I went and I asked because I was like, that's the most interesting thing that I want to know. It's like during a pandemic where you have to practice social distancing, how the fuck do you do a lap dance when you can't sit on their lap? And it turns out what they call it is a, uh, I guess they call it like a virtual dance where it's uh, not a lap dance, but they stand six feet away from you and strip. And that's what they have to do. And uh, uh, I found it hilarious because uh, I was asking the girls if this had affected business. And they said, uh, no, people are still buying these virtual dances. And then on top of that, they the girls have to at all times wear the face mask. So they got to wear a face mask as well as strip. And I was like, is that been a problem? And they're like, no, actually, it's been doing better because girls who have, and I'm sorry, I think, you know what I'm saying, everybody's beautiful in their own right. But for what I've been told, girls who are uglier but have nice bodies have been doing even better business because it's like, I don't know, maybe people just always had this fantasy, this fetish of wanting to jerk off to a motherfucking Mortal Kombat dancer, but uh, never had the opportunity. And now it's a thing. And uh, yeah, the girls are doing virtual dances. And uh, at some point, I got to say to myself, man, like, I know that they say that sex is not an addiction, but like, I mean, I love sex. Like, I love sex. But if you were to say to me, hey, do you want to spend $120 to have a woman stand six feet away from you with a mask on and take her titties out? I'd be like, no, I would say, <laughs> I would say no, I would not. I'm not. Okay. But then again, I will admit I'm not a strip club guy per se. Like, that's not my thing. I go to strip club. I'm not turned on in strip clubs. Like, I'm not excited by them. Because the idea of a woman wanting to have sex with me just for my money turns me off. You know what I'm saying? Like, the fact that you just want my money makes me not attracted to you. Basically, I treat my wallet the same way women treat their vaginas in that if this is all you want i'm not gonna give it to you but if you loved me you can have as much of it as you want you get me you know what i'm saying like that's kind of how it is like that that's actually the best way to put it i treat my wallet in a strip club the way women treat their vaginas in every club you know what i mean it's the same exact feeling they come over and they're like "Ooh, how you doing and it's like you just want my money isn't it and it's like yeah that's what i'm here for your money and you know some guys that's what they like and uh, i'm not one of them and some ladies that's what they like you know what i mean uh but uh i get how you feel ladies i get how you feel it's it's a it's a weird feeling that immediately when you lock eyes with a woman that you got to put your head down because if you lock eyes with a woman in a strip club, she's coming. You know what I mean? 
And I'm pretty sure a lot of ladies have had that happen to them where they just were staring at a guy. Not that you're attracted to them, that you were just looking at them. Maybe their outfit, their clothes, they maybe resembled somebody you look that looks like somebody you know. And then all of a sudden, they lock eyes with you and you're like, oh, fuck. And they're coming. And you know that they're coming for one reason. It's because they think they have a chance at getting the pussy. That's exactly what happens in a strip club. When those strippers lock eyes with you, they're coming on over because they think they have a chance at getting your money. Now, granted, you shouldn't go to a strip club if you ain't about spending that dough because that's what they do in there. But I work there. <laughs> and so that's my excuse. I, I am not a big strip club guy. So uh, maybe that's why I find it really hilarious. But... I go, I don't know, man. I think it's desperate, it's sad almost that you are a dude uh, who you can't even touch these women. You can't even have an actual lap dance like they literal term of lap dances. They would sit on your lap and, you know, grind on you, simulate the fucking sex acts, you know, give you that feeling of hope, I guess. I don't know. I don't know the real allure of a lap dance. I think it's weird to be teased to the point of wanting to have sex and then having to pay for that. That is fucking insane to me. Um, but, uh, hey, whatever you need to get your rocks off, you do. You do you. I'm not here to judge. I just, goddamn, pack strip club on a Tuesday during a pandemic. That's what the fuck was going down but I had a good time, man. I had a real good time, and uh, I'm looking forward to it going back again. Uh, I'll just know to make sure to stay the fuck away from people. And uh, I know uh, the podcast has been uh, late, uh, and uh, I've been going through a lot of shit. And um, to be honest with you guys, like when I do this podcast, I do it because I want to. You know what I'm saying? Like, I enjoy the conversation that I'm having right now. I feel like I'm having this conversation with all of 56 of you guys. And um, uh, I like it. I do it because I want to. You ever, and when I'm not in the mood, when I'm not vibing, when my soul's just not there, I won't do it. I won't do it. I'm not going to come on here and just, you know, randomly bullshit, say words. Like, I'm coming on here to actually talk to you and say things and speak about what's on my mind. And I was going through some shit, and uh, I just wasn't prepared to get on the podcast and talk about it. Um, one of the things that I had a big issue with is that now that the whole you know, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and the list goes on, of course, and all the many more that, you know, we don't even hear about. Uh, it's very frustrating and exhausting. It's em especially for me, it's emotionally exhausting having to always defend explain and uh prove uh that black lives matter and that racism exists it's like it's it's ridiculous and then the 
the simple request to break down systemic racism and the fact that most people benefit from systemic racism, therefore will fight to protect what they believe is their own interests. Um, so when you let them know that what they benefit from is what is uh, defective, you know, breaking down society in a negative way, they will fight tooth and nail because that's all that they know. And I am exhausted, mentally and emotionally exhausted because what happens is when people are constantly questioning and poking at you, it's because that's, you know, like, for them, it's like they just want to know an answer. They're like, well, you know, it's almost fun for them, almost like a debate, almost like uh, like 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 uh, like a lawyer going back and forth. Right. Like that's how they see it. But I see it as you're questioning my very existence, that you're questioning that my life and the way that and the things that are happening to me, that you're questioning whether it's even happening to me that not even that you're even questioning that you're you're making it it's almost like you're gaslighting me making me feel like what i'm talking about is not real even though i'm going through it daily and you know and i've been going through it for my entire life so it sucks when you have to constantly defend that and um it's been fucking me up for a while. Like, I didn't even tell you guys about it, but it's just like, I had this bad feeling from something that had happened, and I kind of treat my emotions the way guys treat going to the doctor, in that we don't do it, you know what I mean? In that I just hope that the feeling goes away, and then I move on. But this feeling didn't go away. So I'm gonna let you guys know what this had happened. I'm not gonna say at this point in time, uh, where it happened, but I was performing uh, at a show recently, and um, when I came off stage, uh, the the manager of the place told me that I should not be performing anything about Black Lives Matter because it's too political, and that shit caught me off guard. You know what I mean? Not only the fact that the person, the manager said it, but the way they came at me. Like, I came off stage from thinking I had a really good set. And the manager came out the back with their hands in the air, you know, yelling at me, mad at me. Um, literally telling me, what What are you doing? I brought you here, uh, you know, for this platform so that you can shine. Not so that you could talk about politics. And I was I was caught off guard. I was, you know, I was hurt because I was like, wait a minute, like Black Lives Matter is not a political statement. You know what I'm saying? The fact that I'm telling you that my life matters is not a fucking political statement. And, and I, you know, I, I kind of was. I was playing it off with the with the manager like, ah, you know, it's all good. Don't worry about it. You know, what I mean, it's fine. Because of the fact that I was afraid to lose favor with uh, this person. And uh, I felt like that made me a coon. 
for those of you wondering what that is, that's a black person who will do anything to uh, ensure the happiness of white people around them. So they don't ever want to disrupt the happiness of white people. And so when you say you're cooning, it's like regardless of your situation or your feelings about uh, something um, that you will make sure to appease the feelings of of white people. And um, the next day I went to go perform and uh, one of the comedians on the show who had heard uh, the manager telling me I'm not allowed to perform or not that I'm not allowed to, but that I should not perform uh, the set that I did and that that they deeply expressed and hoped that they would not see me do that set again. Uh, one of the comedians came up to me and was like, yo, are you going to bitch out? And honestly, the fact that this person who uh, was not black could even see that what the manager had said to me was not only unreasonable and insensitive and pretty much bottom line racist uh, that that they said that I should be standing up for myself. It made me double down. It made me double down for sure. And I performed that set and perfected it. And to be honest, um, if you were at uh, some of the people listening were at some of these shows um and uh i felt like i have the tape i have the tape i have the video so i know i'm not crazy when i say this but i absolutely crushed i had a phenomenal set that night and the fact that that set is what was told to me to be not done it obviously tells me that the person was not saying it based on my comedy but they were saying it based on that they didn't want to hear anything about black lives and that really hurt me because i'm black you don't want to hear about my life like you literally said to me nobody wants to hear what you're talking about all you're doing is bumming out white people like what the fuck man and um i'll be honest um once i collect my payment because i still gotta get my money (laughs) But yeah, once I collect my payment, I'm going to formally let uh, the manager know that uh, I will never, ever, ever work at uh, their establishment ever again. Because, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, how can I ever, you know, like, I don't even feel like you care about black people or our issues. I feel like all you wanted was me to be your quote unquote boy. You know what I mean? You're one of the good ones. You're black dude to get up there and tap dance and you know what I'm saying? Everything's all right, people. No, everything's not all right. Things are fucked up right now. Systemic racism has been affecting my life and the lives of my families and my friends for our entire lives and generations before that. And the fact that I am a comedian, literally a person who is supposed to walk the line and say the things that the rest of society will not speak on. And the fact that I'm out of quarantine after four months and I'm hitting you with the shit that is real. And the fact that you not only uh, don't want to hear about it, like if I was bombing on stage, I would get it. 
You know what I'm saying? I would get it. I would get it if I did not have a good set and you were like, maybe you shouldn't talk about that. But the fact that I was lighting this bitch up to the point where there was lines of people couldn't wait to fucking uh, take pictures and shake hands and all kinds of shit. And we had to, uh, you know, figure out ways to do that with social distancing. And during all that, you're still yelling at me saying, don't do that set again. All you're doing is bumming out white people. I'm not bumming out white people. I'm bumming out you. And I'm bumming out you because you don't want to hear about black issues. And if you are insensitive to black issues, it means that you don't care about black people. And if you don't care about black people, then the last thing I'm going to fucking do is let my black fucking talent make your place look better. So, yo, fuck you on the real. Fuck you for what you said. Fuck you for your stance and fuck you for whatever you believe in. Because my life matters, and that's not a political statement. And um, the only reason why I'm not releasing the name of the establishment is because I'm not trying to bring down the establishment as a whole at this point in time. Because the establishment as a whole hasn't responded to this situation. But I am saying fuck you to the manager that said this to me. Because I'm speaking to you as an individual. Fuck you as an individual. Because, you know what I'm saying? What I go through in my life, it matters. And if I'm on that stage as a comedian and I'm talking about it, you have no fucking right to tell me what I can and cannot say on that goddamn stage. So I'm sorry that I did not talk about all of that. uh, But uh, that's what happens, man. The fact that we're out here complaining and trying to rally and and protest against systemic racism and here in Canada in comedy clubs where people are trying to act like racism doesn't exist. I'm literally dealing with it right now. And I'm sick and tired of the fact of people acting like because we're in Canada that that shit don't happen. I'm sick and tired of the fact that people act like there's not a quota When it comes to black comedians at festivals. I'm sick and tired of the fact that they act like there's not a such thing as the safe black comic who they will gravitate towards rather than using the comedians that are well-known killers because of the fact that they are not safe. And it's not that they're not killers, but that their parents, the topics that they talk about and the things that they say scare you. And that shit hurts. That shit hurts because you, I constantly see in Canada that they will push an objective or an agenda rather than the skill set of a comedian. And any comedian worth their meat will say the same thing as I'm going to say right now. We don't give a fuck about color. We don't give a fuck about religion. We don't give a fuck about gender. We don't give a fuck about who you have sex with. We care about one thing and one thing only. And that's who is the funniest. That's it. Who is the funniest? If you funny, fuck everything. That's all that matters. And the minute you start to see that they need to start placing people uh, in specific 
uh, groups or whatever to try to balance things out or make things. It's because of systemic racism and racist practices. If you just put the best comics forward, then it wouldn't be, oh, well, why do we have to create a, a black room or a, or a Mexican room or, a, or, a, or an Indian room? Well, the reason why those rooms were created was because they wouldn't put us on fucking stage. They wouldn't. One of the greatest comedy shows in this country is Kenny Robinson's Nubian Night. Kenny Robinson's Nubian Night was specifically designed because the comedy clubs would not put on black comedians. So Kenny created a platform and a stage where black comedians could actually perform. Today, that show sells out on the last Sunday of every month, and it is one of the best shows in the country. And it showcases black comedians that don't get no festival spots, that don't get to perform in clubs, that that predominantly have to perform in bars and weed spots and whatever. Yet they're on this stage absolutely lighting this bitch up. And top tier white comedians that have performed there have seen how hard it is to perform there. Yet watch these comedians who can't get on a regular stage light this bitch up. So you see, if you guys had just treated all of us fairly, then it wouldn't be where we have to create all these different rooms and shit. So the fact that all these things are here then weaken the comedy scene because now people started saying, okay, we need one black, two whites, three gays. Think It should never be like that. It should just be who's the funniest because now you may have three black people may be the best in the room, but you're not going to put two of them on because you need to stick in your one white and your one gay. That's stupid. Just put the funniest first. That's it. Put the funniest. Put the killers. And the reason why you guys can't fucking do that is because you guys are usually racist who are in control and you favor or you only want to see a certain style of comedy. And guess what? That certain style of comedy has never fucking worked. How do I know that? Because the only Canadian in history to ever goddamn sell out a stadium was Russell Peters. Does that mean that all the other Canadian comics weren't good? No. It means that the ones that you push forward weren't fucking strong enough. And we know that. But none of us want to say anything because all of us are scared. All of us are afraid because in Canada, you only have a few outlets. And if you piss off any of them, that could be the end of your career in Canada. That's how fucked up the racism is in Canada. And that's why it was like this cut was so deep for me at this place because this is a place where and a person that I've known for many years of my career and now for the first time I'm on stage talking about things that are real and I'm fucking crushing. All right, I'll even post the video to show you guys. I'm fucking crushing and... And you're going to tell me, as a black person, I can't talk about black issues on stage because I'm bumming out white people. Man, fuck all y'all. And that's why, uh, you know, like I said, I've been going through some shit and things have been bothering me. 
And, uh, you know, on a positive tip, I uh, took some time out to myself and, uh, you know, went and did some mushrooms. Went and had a mushroom trip and uh, came back with uh, a a very strong sense of uh, what I need to do and how I need to handle things in a very positive, empathetic look out onto things. Yo, mushrooms will do that for you. Mushroom trips, woo, that's all I can say. They make you really look in the mirror and question yourself. Uh, Like when I'm on mushrooms, um, I like to do about, like I did a mushroom tea. Uh, For anybody Who's never done mushrooms? Don't be afraid of mushrooms, okay? Just make sure that you don't uh, do mushrooms with lunatic friends who are assholes who will tell you to, you know, watch scary movies and all kinds of weird things like that. No, like mushrooms are great for introspective, like looking at who you are, like breaking down all those fucking walls, just getting to the honesty of who you really are. Because it's all we all have that uh, idea of who we think we are. And then when you're on mushrooms and, and, and you're by yourself, you get to really get that introspective of, yo, who are you? You start to really see into it's like it's like Alice in Wonderland through the looking glass because that shit is a whole other world. And while I was on the mushrooms, um. I gained a sense of empathy. As crazy as this is going to sound, I gained a sense of empathy for people who are blind to systemic racism because the system itself is corrupted. And so therefore, the system that you're raised in is corrupt. And if the system is corrupt, then your teachings are corrupt. Therefore, your lifestyle is corrupt. So does that mean that's really your fault? Or does it mean that you are just subjective to the system that you are in? Now, uh, some people bathe and love the hatred that they live in. I'm not talking about those people. It's the people who are like, really just don't understand. And uh, it gave me a sense of empathy towards when somebody lashes out at you because when they lash out it's like why did they lash out and then as you trace backwards you'll see that the lashing out towards you has nothing to do with you it has everything to do with some issues that they have and so when they lash out now you start to actually feel sorry for them because you're like oh you're damaged this has nothing to do with me and once you realize that it has nothing to do with you then you realize that the actions done against you are not towards you you know what i mean it's more of a reflection of the damage going on inside of that individual and um i also learned that um you know uh i cry and laugh at the same time uncontrollably on mushrooms i don't know why i don't know what the fuck that says about me but uh it's weird it's not like a cry, like you're crying. It's just tears running out of my eyes nonstop. And it's like you can't stop it. And then the laughter, everybody should know if you've ever done mushrooms about the giggles. And the giggles are real. Like you just start laughing and there's nothing to stop it. And then while I was on that trip, you know, 
everybody likes to do the shit where you got to look at the floors or walls and you see all the colors. Um, I went to go, um, like, because I went to the bathroom because I had that uh, that thing where, you know, when you're on mushrooms, you get that in-between awkward feeling of you don't know whether you're going to throw up or shit. I had that, which I can't stand. And um, while I was in the bathroom, I was washing my face. And I don't know how long I was in the bathroom. I would say about 30 minutes. But I literally took a long, hard look in the mirror. And um, I'll be honest. I saw who I believed I was. And I saw who I am. And I'm not too far off. So I was happy about that. Um, One of the things I did see is that I wanted to connect closer with my son. That's the only thing that I could really say when I think about, uh, I think I need to be, you know, talk to, not, not, not that I don't see my son, don't get that twisted in your head. I see my son all the time. It's just that the time I spend with him, I need to connect with him more on a personal level. Because typically I kind of like, I know that my son, when he's with his mom, uh, my little girls are, they love their brother and they torment him all day. They do shit like he'll be eating and they will smack the food out of his plate and then like just walk off like, yeah, go fuck yourself. Uh, so whenever he comes to my house, I always try to give him space, let him have him time where you know he loves anime he likes to be alone and i get that shit because when i was growing up i loved that shit i loved being alone i loved uh you know uh having that time to myself to you know play with my toys or read my comic books and so i try to give him that time but what i would like to do is spend more time with him like get to really not only know him but you know because i know my son but i'm saying like teach him learn from him what what is his views on things and 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 let him learn what are mine you know start to really implement the shit that allows a son to become a man and that's the only thing i saw on mushrooms that i need to improve on um well i mean there was other things but i ain't telling you all my shit (laughs) you know what i mean I ain't giving you guys all the goods. But yeah, I took a mushroom trip uh, uh, for a few days. I'm not going to lie. I took a mushroom trip for a few days. And uh, uh, now I'm back. And so now that I'm back, uh, I'm back here doing the podcast again. And uh, yeah, so the podcast is a few days late. But uh, now you guys know why. Uh Ooh, here's some uh, other positive things uh, to let you guys know. My cartoons uh, have started rolling out. I told you guys I was going to do a cartoon. I also told you I was going to do a video podcast, but, you know, I will do it. Just, uh, you know, it'll happen. It's just me setting shit up. But my cartoons have started rolling out. Uh, Yes, I am the one who creates these cartoons. The animations are done by Simon Glassman. And, uh, yeah, I'm on my third cartoon, my third little mini episode. Uh, I intend on doing about 15 of these little episodes. And, uh, 
then I'm going to hopefully at that time be skilled enough because I'm still learning. I'm still learning how to make these cartoons. And um, I'm hoping that after 15 weeks of training uh, that I'll be ready to do full-on 30-minute episodes with characters and voices and voice actors and everything. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm getting a lot of great feedback from every one that I post. I see a lot of people sharing it, and I really appreciate that. I love the hell out of that, that you guys are sharing it. Thank you. Um, yeah, on one of them, I had 99 shares. That's uh, in 99 shares, but only 73 likes, which was interesting. But anyway... <laughs> Some of y'all is haters. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm really happy at uh, at the response to my little cartoon and my little cartoon character. And I'm going to keep on just knocking out little episodes. And, uh, you know, uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, if you guys want to watch it, uh, just go on to my page at um, Sterling's Jokes uh, on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, Sterling Scott, the comedian. And check them out. I'm trying to drop one every week. So uh, what I'm trying to do is have the podcast, a podcast episode every week and a new cartoon episode every week. So I'm just trying to give you guys some more content so that you guys could laugh along with me in between the times that you get to meet me and see me live at shows. And once again, man, to my 56 dedicated listeners, um, thank you guys. You guys have been tuning in. Uh, on a regular basis for this is episode number 12 so this is now we're only in our third month people i'm only three months in this is brand new if you guys want to understand how amazing that is to me well joe rogan is in year 12 and after 12 years he just got paid a hundred million to be on spotify and there's a lot of people who never even heard or listened to that podcast and uh, you 56s you hardcore writers, you mean everything to me. I love you guys so much. Please keep listening to the podcast. And like I said, uh, check out all the other shows on TaylorMadeRadio.ca. And also anything else that uh, uh, my boy Matt, he produces this. And he makes it where it sounds so professional and so beautiful in you guys' ears. So make sure you guys do that. And uh, for my people in Edmonton, um, I'm going to be recording a new hour. Uh, I'm recording two albums in September. Um, it's going to be at the Grindstone Theater. Uh, dates will be coming out for that. But uh, for the meantime, between time, um, in Edmonton, I do have dates August 21st and 22nd inside uh, yuck yucks at century casino and the 28th and 29th i'll be in calgary so my calgary people 21st and 22nd of august and 28th and 29th of uh august i'll be in calgary yucks uh i'm looking forward to coming back uh as you guys know i just recently signed with yuck yucks uh and uh i'm looking forward to slowly hitting the stage back i hope you guys come out to these shows because i'll be running both of my hours uh, one day i'll do one hour one day i'll do the other hour and uh yeah i'm just trying to get in as many repetitions as possible before september uh and i want you guys to 
come on out. I don't know what I'm going to name any of these albums. I just know that uh, one is going to be my Corporate Clean album, which was supposed to be recorded March 27th. But then, of course, COVID hit. So that hour is what I'm going to be recording, uh, my Corporate Clean hour. And then the other one is the hour that uh, I am currently working on. And it's coming together. I would say that it is 80% ready. Uh, And uh, yeah, I just need as much stage time as possible between now and September to uh, make that magic happen. So thank you guys so much uh, for uh, rocking with me, coming to my shows, and most of all, listening to the podcast. And again, check out the show, The Cartoons, on my page on uh, Instagram or on my Facebook and uh, thank you guys so much for listening see you guys next week